Hello, everyone. We're very lucky today to have Juan Carlos Cepeda, one of the most prominent figures in the Mexican energy industry, uh, with us on the podcast. Juan Carlos was the president commissioner at the National Hydrocarbons Commission in Mexico, or the CNH, from 2009 to 2018, where he oversaw the country's first ever oil and natural gas auctions for private sector companies. The auctions welcomed dozens of international companies to help develop hydrocarbons in the country for the first time in more than 75 years and generated billions of dollars in investment. Juan Carlos, thank you very much for being with us on NGI's podcast. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. Fantastic. How, how are things? How are you coping with, with the, the COVID world in, in Mexico? Well, there are difficult times in Mexico. I mean, I have been staying at home for more than 100 days. Wow. Uh, I really lost the count. So, so, well, in Mexico, we are still on confinement. There are still, um, there is, we're just beginning to open some activities, but uh, we haven't reached a plateau. Uh-huh. Well, it's, a, I think, a very similar situation across the world. In that sense, we're all in it together. Let's turn to energy. It was quite a, uh, an eventful week in energy, and in particular in Mexico. The president of Mexico, Andres Manuel López Obrador, went to the United States to meet with U.S. President Donald Trump. Then on that very same day, the energy ministry ordered the unification of the Zama field uh, and gave Pemex and Talos 120 days to come up with plans for that. What is your take on that announcement, Juan Carlos? Uh, well, that's a standard practice, Chris. Uh, all around the world, um, energy regulators uh, should have the authority to, uh, to enforce a unitization of fields when, when these fields extend beyond their, their, uh, their blocks. And that's mm -hmm. what happened in Mexico. Um, uh, after the reform, one of the con uh, consortium uh, had an important discovery, and this discovery uh, is in the edge of the block, and it extends to a block awarded to Pemex. So it is a natural uh, standard practice to call for a unitization of the blocks. And then after that, the two companies or, or the two consortia should get together to, uh, to have an agreement on the development plan and also to figure out who will be the operator. So that's a standard practice. Uh, it's, it's part of the regulation that it was established since the beginning of the energy reform in Mexico. Okay. If anything, it's, it's, it's probably good news because it gives a, a certain level of clarity to something that's been ongoing for a number of months now. That's right. That's right. So it is good that they are taking these steps uh, to finally have a, a jointly development plan for the field. Okay. Let's look at natural gas. Uh, Mexico imports about 70 to 80% of its natural gas from the United States. And, and, and it makes sense given how cheap natural gas is in the United States at the moment, particularly the natural gas being produced in the, in the southern part of the country. But you recently said that you saw prices rising as a result of the oil curtailments that are happening uh, due to the pandemic. Do you still think that it's, it's now sort of ripe to invest in natural gas resources in Mexico? Yes, yes, Chris. I, I, I see this as an opportunity. As you mentioned, as a consequence of the shale revolution in the U.S., the energy sector in Mexico was deeply transformed. As part of that revolution, with all the gas, associated gas coming from, from the U.S., Mexico stopped 
uh, developing natural gas fields. Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, we are importing around 80% of our natural gas consumption, and particularly in the electricity industry, we are importing like 90% and higher. Mm -hmm. and, and our electricity system is highly concentrated in gas. The energy matrix in Mexico for the electricity system is 60% and growing concentrated in natural gas. So uh, we have a benefit and also a challenge as a consequence of the shale revolution in the U.S. On one side, we were able to import um, the, the cheapest natural gas in the world. That's great. But on the other hand, we were not able to produce our field. So we are highly dependent on the U.S., so uh, as a consequence of all the energy uh, conditions right now, particularly the curtailment in the shale uh, basins, what I am forecasting, and uh, I believe I am not alone in this, uh, different analysts are looking at higher prices by the summer of next year, by the mid of 2021, uh, Chris. I am expecting, um, I, I ran some analysis and I'm expecting prices to in the in the uh, Henry Hub prices to to be around three dollars per um, million BTU. That for mm -hmm. Mexico will mean uh, uh, at least um, like a three and a half dollars. And at that price, uh, Chris, we will be able to start producing natural gas in Mexico again. So, mm -hmm. and I see these higher prices to stay for quite a long time. I don't see that we will be coming back to the same levels of production in the in the shale basins in the U.S. So I do see an opportunity to get back to to gas in Mexico. Yes, of course, you know there has to be certain conditions in place for that to happen. There are a number of private sector ENP operators that are currently in Mexico, but in order to get that sort of level of development, things might have to change. Do you think that the regulatory environment or the investment environment is sufficient in Mexico right now to, to inspire the confidence of investors in natural gas? Yeah, good point, uh, Chris. The legal framework and the regulation for the upstream ENP sector in Mexico hasn't changed. What has changed is the energy policy. So, so the legal framework, all the regulations, the institutions are still there. It is a matter of energy policy decision to open for new bidding rounds for natural gas and oil. I mean, mm. with this new administration in Mexico, we have seen that the bidding rounds were stopped and, and, and we haven't seen more biddings for natural gas or oil. But it's not that the government changed the law or the regulation. The regulation is still there and all the legal framework. It's just a matter of an energy policy decision to open for new bidding rounds in, in oil and gas. So it is just a matter of a policy decision. So, so I, I will be uh, looking and I'm expecting the government in Mexico to see this opportunity to develop natural gas reservoirs in Mexico. It is a matter of national energy security. I mean, if you look, Chris, around the world, you will not see the vulnerability that Mexico has in terms of natural gas. I mean, as I said before, the energy matrix, that is the mix of all the uh, primary energy inputs in Mexico is highly concentrated in natural gas. and and more than 60% of the electricity produced in Mexico comes from natural gas. Uh, out of that, we are importing 90% of, of that natural gas. And on top of that, we are importing all that basically mainly from the US. 
you don't mm. see in the world that kind of energy vulnerability. So uh, for our government, I think it is an opportunity to develop natural gas fields in Mexico, and that will not only produce uh, employment, uh, economic activity, but that will increase the energy security in Mexico. So I'm looking for that. You don't need to change the legal framework because the legal framework never changed. Uh, everything is in place. Yeah. You know, at the, at the same time, the current government in Mexico has been very adamant that they are not going to restart any bidding rounds. But you, you sense that this could change, perhaps. For natural gas, I see I see that, uh, Chris, as, um, because we have a strong argument in terms of energy security. Yeah. OK. And Juan Carlos, in 2018, CNH published a plan for developing the natural gas market, sort of underlining some of the points that you just made. And some of the points that were part of that plan were developing perhaps a Pemex subsidiary devoted to gas, uh, the creation of natural gas hubs, among other suggestions. Which of these proposals do you still think are viable under the current government in Mexico? Yeah. Um, thank you, Chris. That has been a proposal in the past to create a special uh, subsidiary from Pemex to focus on natural gas. Now, nowadays, Chris, I, I believe that it will be uh, more convenient to develop this state-owned subsidiary in CFE. CFE is the state-owned uh, utility company in charge of the transmission and generation of electricity. In Mexico, also, the electricity sector is open nowadays for private investment. But um, before 2014, we had this state-owned uh, monopoly in the electricity and transmission of electricity. Uh, I believe, uh, Chris, it would be more appropriate to develop this uh, state subsidiary in natural gas within the electricity utility state company. Why? Hmm. Because for CFE, natural gas is the main input. As I said before, 60% of electricity in Mexico is produced with natural gas. So for CFE, it is the main input, while for Pemex, natural gas, non-associated natural gas are a non-attractive alternative when they have to, to, to build up a, an investment portfolio. Um, mm -hmm. so, so it makes more sense to me now to place this subsidiary within the electricity state company. Now, in addition to that, that's an international trend, Chris, that I want to highlight. Big energy companies, international oil companies are focusing on electricity and creating vertically integrated international companies. That's the case, for instance, of Shell, mm. uh, which we know is an uh, IOC, but now they are focusing uh, on gas and electricity and making a vertically integrated international company in, in the energy sector. The same is happening with the French company Total and, and uh, other companies. So, so the way I'm recommending this is uh, for the government to, to develop a, uh, a subsidiary within the electricity utility state company, CFE, uh, to develop a subsidiary to promote joint ventures with the private sector to develop natural gas fields in Mexico. So as opposed to, to have this in Pemex, Greece, now I'm recommending to have this within CFE. Very, very interesting, especially given the fact that the CFE has been sort of at the center of a few sort of um, a controversial uh, news stories in the energy sector over the past uh, few years. The second point that I brought up, pricing hubs. 
Do you see that as something that we are advancing towards in Mexico or what remains to be seen for a pricing hub to emerge within Mexico in terms of natural gas? I don't see that yet, Chris, in the next, uh, let's say, 10 years. Our price reference um, stills, and I think will be for a, quite a time, Henry Hop. Mm-hmm. You know that for a hop to really have a strong hop, you need a much broader and robust gas pipeline system together with something that we don't have in Mexico, Chris, which is a storage capacity. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges that we are facing in Mexico in terms of natural gas is that we don't have a storage capacity at all. I mean, we have a few, a couple of uh, natural, liquid natural gas tanks in the, in the Gulf of Mexico and another one in the Pacific. But in order to have a hub, you also need storage capacity that we don't have right now. And, and that's something that we have to, to place and stress in the energy policy agenda. We need to develop a natural gas storage capacity. Meanwhile, uh, we need to, to rely and keep working with Henry Hub as our hub reference. Okay. Going back to the development of local resources, do you see Mexico developing a significant upstream natural gas sector without tapping its unconventional or even deep water resources? Good point. Good point, uh, Chris. Well, let me make a reference for, for your audience. Um, the current administration in Mexico, uh, they are against unconventional fields for environmental reasons. And I believe that's something that we will need to study in more detail because we are aware that at the beginning of the shale revolution, there were some environmental practices that have been overcome. I mean, they were using too much drinkable water. Nowadays, most of the water is recycled water, brackish water. So the environmental practices 20 years ago are quite different uh, to what the industry is doing nowadays. So, so I do believe that Mexico needs to look more carefully to be able to develop unconventionals. Our main resources in terms of natural gas, Chris, are in non-conventionals. The Eagle Fort formation, you know, it comes down all the way to Mexico. Actually, there is a chance also, there are high probabilities that the Permian Basin also extends to Mexico. I believe that we should tap those uh, fields and, uh, and reservoirs. And I'm confident that the practices developed by the international industry are quite robust in terms of environmental protection. So mm-hmm. it's a concern, Chris. It's a concern. I recommend that the Mexican government should look again to unconventionals, get uh, familiar with the state-of-the-art practices in terms of environment protection. I do believe that we cannot leave those reservoirs without, without producing. We, we need that natural gas. Interesting. Juan Carlos, we have about time for for one more question. And thank you again for spending time with us on on the podcast. It's great to speak to one of the the best minds in, in Mexican energy. My question to you is, where do you see the Mexican energy sector headed in the remainder of the current government? Uh, well, that's a tough question, Chris. I'm expecting to see uh, at least farm outs uh, in deep water. That's what I'm expecting to see in the upstream. Um, there's plenty of opportunities in deep water, which involve, involve high risk and high um, capital uh, expenditures. So I will be expecting uh, the government to open that possibility for private investment in joint ventures with Pemex. 
And as I said before, I'm looking to see also um, those kind of contracts in, in natural gas, non-associated natural gas. I don't see more bidding rounds uh, for this administration in conventional fields in shallow water uh, for oil. I'm hoping to see them in natural gas and in deep water. That's in terms of uh, upstream. For the rest of the administration, um, of course, we will still facing great challenges in the electricity sector, particularly in terms of our transmission electricity system. Our grid, our transmission system is highly congested, uh, Chris. That's a challenge, but also investment opportunity. Um, so what, what I'm foreseeing for the rest of the administration is the government to figure out ways to bring private investment in natural gas, deep water, and of course, in the electricity system uh, to make our grid more robust, to be able to support more renewables and also to diversify our energy mix. Okay, fantastic. Well, on that uh, relatively optimistic note, uh, let's end this podcast. Thank you very much, Juan Carlos, and I hope to speak to you soon. Chris, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Natural Gas Intelligence Hub and Flow podcast. Again, this is Chris Lenton, the editor of the Mexico Gas Price Index, a daily service that sheds light on the natural gas market in Mexico. If you're interested in knowing more about the Mexican natural gas market, visit naturalgasintel.com and do a search for Mexico or click on the Mexico tab. We have tons of insightful news, commentary, columns, and pricing data that expand on what we've talked about. It is our belief here at NGI that market transparency empowers markets, businesses, and communities. And that is what we are trying to achieve with this podcast. If you like us, please do follow us, give us a rating, and leave a comment. We're so excited to connect with you and look forward to the next time. In the meantime, stay safe. <music>